This is the Race Like a Girl podcast, where you always get a one of a kind RC talk experience from the female perspective. Our motto is to always strive to beat the guys. So without further ado, here are your fuel burning, four wheel drive turning hosts, Katie and Mackenzie. Hey everyone, welcome to the Race Like a Girl podcast. We have got an SIC episode for you today, and I am super excited about this SIC episode for so many different reasons, but one of them is because there were so many females representing at SIC, and so we did not want to miss an opportunity to talk to as many of them as possible. So you are going to get a real special treat for this episode. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to our first guest. So our first guest on this episode is the one and only Kiara Hold. Hey, Kiara. Hey, Katie. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? Good. We uh, really appreciate you coming on the podcast tonight. So before we get into SIC specifically, um, this is your first time coming on the podcast and we hope to have you for many, many future podcasts. But um, could you just give everybody like a little snippet background of who you are, how you got into racing? All right. So I'm Kira Hold. I'm from Stewart, Florida. I got into racing when I was nine, so I've been racing for around six years now. I started off with like small basher Traxxas cars, and we saw an ad for a local track near us, and we took the we took the Traxxas cars over there, and we saw everyone with like these associated buggies, and I saw how cool it was, how like they were going over the jumps and like handling on the track. And I could see that my car wasn't doing that. And I was like, you know, that's pretty cool, like, how they're racing. And me and my dad just took an interest into it. So we decided to get a few. And it's where it all started. You mentioned that you got interested into it because you um, saw a local track that was running. So what would you say is your local track or what track were you speaking of? So for Aidsgill, uh, the track that this is also the track that I was speaking of is Sundancer's RC Raceway. Um, it's a really nice track out in West Palm. And for Ten Scale, my local track would be Beachline RC Raceway, which is in Cocoa Beach, Florida. So you actually have a lot of tracks in Florida. I'm pretty jealous of that. Um, so I love to come visit Florida any chance that I get. Um, but you spoke to the fact that you have a 10 scale track too. And especially if a lot of listeners have listened to so many of these episodes, you know that I used to race at Speed RC. But since Speed RC isn't really around anymore, it's been hard for me to get in the 10 scale scene. 
I'll um, run carpet every now and then. There is a um, carpet bull city track that is near us that I'll sometimes break out the 10 scale car for just to kind of sharpen my reactions. But would you say you're primarily a 10 scale racer or an eight scale racer? So I would say I run a lot more eight scale than 10 scale just because that's what's near me the most. There are a lot more eight scale tracks around me than there are 10 scale. Beachline is really the only 10 scale track around me, but I will go every once in a while to the Beachline track um, to work on like fundamentals with driving with the 10 scale cars. So what would you say is your favorite class? My favorite class would have to be Nitro Truggy, just because the car is so forgiving. You can just push it to its limit. I um I would definitely agree, but I don't get to run the Truggy as often or as much as I would love to. But the Truggy is just so forgiving. I feel like um with Truggy even more so than Buggy. I know a lot of people say that Truggy is just by nature easier to drive. But for me, I think it's just having no fear of what's going to happen and knowing that I can probably catch whatever I'm possibly going to make a mistake with in Truggy. Like Buggy, I just feel like I'm so afraid of the wreck, so to speak, and landing on my lid. I just feel like it's so much easier to drive hard and not have to worry about that in Truggy. Yeah, with Truggy, it is a lot easier to drive because of the size of it, like going over bumps or anything on a track is a lot easier than with Buggy because it's a lot smaller. Um, and the buggy will get unsettled a lot easier when it comes to ruts, but yeah. So who primarily does the wrenching on all of your cars? My dad is definitely the one that does all the work, sad to say. (laughs) Well, I'm jealous of it, um, so I think it's super cool because I would love to have a full-time mechanic, but... My husband loves to race just as much as I do, so that's not really possible in our relationship. But it's super cool that your dad does wrench on your car. But I'm curious as to, since he does primarily do the wrenching, how does the communication work with you and him, especially when you're at a race like SIC? So, for instance, um, if you're in practice or qualifying, how do you communicate what you're feeling on the track with your dad and how does your dad know what to change? Or is it something that just like your dad can pretty much watch your car and understand what's going on? So it's a mixture of both. We wear the headsets um, whenever I'm in qualifying. So I can tell him like if something's wrong with the car, something's not working the way I would like it. Just I can tell him that immediately. So whenever I go to Marshall, he can go and start working on it. And in practice, he does watch the car and can see like if the rear end's sliding around. Um, but it's more me telling him like, hey, the steering's way too aggressive and I don't have enough rear traction. And he would go and work on the car do the changes to fix that, and then we'd go back out and I'd tell him if it was better or worse or anything that really needed to be changed. A similar communication happens between Dave and I because even though I do 
um, primarily do a lot of the wrenching. He'll help me if he has time, but oftentimes it gets a little bit too crazy for him to have his car totally ready and me to have my car totally ready. But I feel like he's way more knowledgeable as far as if I'm feeling a certain way. If I think, like you said, the steering is too aggressive or not enough. I communicate that with him to see what should I do, what change should I make. Um, and it, I've gotten better at it over the years. I would definitely say some things now I've gotten to the point where I don't have to ask him what specifically I should change because I feel like I know how to do just about anything um, as far as wrenching on the car. But it's um, it's sometimes tricky to figure out what specific change is going to help me combat what I'm feeling on the track. And it took a long time and I feel like it's still a work in progress for me to even clearly communicate to him what I'm feeling. So I was really interested in the communication. So before we get into SIC specifically, because I know that this is an SIC episode, I wanted to ask you too, you've kind of had a big, a big end to 2020, start to 2021, because you've had a lot of change. So um, you're running low C now. Just talk to us about all the things that have changed and how you're feeling about the start to this season on all of your new stuff. Yeah, so this year I did I did leave HB and Reds racing. Um, the cars were great. The motors were great. I really loved running them, but... It just seemed that, like, me and the car didn't mix very well. Um, I could never really get the car exactly how I wanted it. And if it if I did get to that point, it was a lot of work and it took a long time. And we tested a bunch of chassis going into 2021 and we found the TLR cars worked best for me. And it's they're just so easy for like us to get it right to my driving style and with the reds motors uh they were great um never had any issues but we do get os with tlr and we couldn't pass up the opportunity to run for os this year I love anything os-based I swear I would never run anything but os again and um, I currently run for Ultimate, but it is an OS-based engine, so I totally understand. Um, so you decided on low C, but you mentioned that you tested several different cars. So first, you're missed at HB. <laughs> I seriously think at one point, every single girl who runs consistently in the hobby was on HB, which is funny, but um, you decided on low C. So I know that you tested more than just low C though. So what was that process like and what contributed to you being like, yeah, low C is the one I'm going to go with. So we had three cars all at once. We tested the nitro buggies out of everything we chose Nitro Buggy to uh, test out of all the chassis. And we started off with the low C, so I had the most runtime out of all the cars with that one. We also tested Associated and S-Works. 
We wanted to go back and test the pillowball cars because I did run Mugen for a long time and those cars worked great for me. So we wanted to see how I'd react to going back to a pillowball car other than a C-Hub. And the cars were good. I just, I didn't feel my driving style uh, fit the car um, the way it did with the low C and it being a C-Hub. So I was a lot more comfortable driving the low C. I would say I was fast. I was fastest driving the S-Works, but I wasn't as comfortable as I was with the low C car. That's interesting to hear. Um, I think that low C has a lot of good things going. So um, I think they have made enormous gains. Um, I'll put it that way, bringing Thomas Tran on to kind of help with the team, too. And so I think that's super cool. So we wish you all the best at LOSI. Thank you. So we'll go ahead and get into some SIC stuff now that we've kind of introduced you. Hopefully the listeners feel like they know you a little bit better. So we're here to talk about SIC. So... How did you feel in practice? What did you try in practice? Were you like, give me as much track time as possible? Or what was that like during your practice day? So, yeah, the goal was definitely to get as much track time as possible because at those big events, you need as much runtime going to the qualifiers as possible because the competition there is just top notch. Um, I really tested tires mainly because we had a base setup going into like this race on the car. So there wasn't a lot of work we needed to put onto those, just a little bit of like fine tuning. Um, I mainly tested three tires Friday in the green compound for JC. They were triple D's, reflex and rehabs. We found that the reflexes fit best for what the track conditions were that night and going into Saturday morning. So can you speak a little bit to, especially if someone isn't familiar with J Concepts, what kind of pin is that tire that you're talking about in the green compound? What, um, how would you uh, categorize that compound? Would you say it's soft, super soft? I just, I'm not that know- as knowledgeable about JC as I am Proline. So the green is super soft and blue is soft. And those were the two tires that I ran, like the two compounds I ran most that weekend. Like I asked the JC guys that all the time because green for us is soft. So I feel like I always get them mixed up when I'm trying to cross brands there. But um, super soft. That's interesting. Did you test clays at all? I'm curious. We did not run clays. We had the idea to, but we ran out of time on Friday. Um, I ended up going with clay slide locks. That's why I'm curious if you figured out that you liked the clays at all, JC. Um, I feel like I tested super soft a lot in practice as well, but I wish I would have tested super soft slide locks. Um, I tested super soft buckshots. And I feel like at least in practice, I know the track changed as the weekend went on, but Buckshots is like more of a pin tire, a little bit more spread out than a slide lock. Um, 
I felt like I had a little bit of a push and I wanted some more steering. And so um, initially when I was making runs during practice, I just wanted to see if it was tire alone before going to make some other changes. So I tested some other tires before um, before making a whole bunch of changes to my car. But yeah, that's interesting to hear what you were running. So what classes did you run at SIC and how do you manage what you practice during practice? Like how do you choose, oh, I'm going to make one run in Truggy, but I'm going to make five in Buggy? So the classes I ran were all open e-Buggy, Nitro Buggy, and Nitro Truggy. This was my first year running uh, e-buggy at one of those events, so I knew it was going to be interesting going in with that. Um, so first, we always run e-buggy in the morning just because it's the easiest to go out and learn the track with, just because I can wait in line, go run, and not have to worry about fuel, the tune of a motor, anything. Um, so I ran that. I tried to shoot for about five, like, batteries with the e-buggy just so I know I can get it down solid packed. And then I'll move into Nitro Buggy and Nitro Truggy. I would definitely say I get the most runtime with Nitro Buggy because that is the car that we like to work on the most to make sure that car is perfect and like just right for what we are going to expect Saturday. And with Truggy, we we only got two practice sessions in with that car just because as soon as we put it down, it was perfect. We just worked on getting a tire for it and making sure the tune was right. And yeah. I ask, and it's interesting that you kind of felt that way, too, because with Truggy, I'll make, like, seriously one pass, and if it feels good, I'm like, okay, yep, ready to send that in qualifying, and Nitro Buggy is always inevitably what I spend the most time on. One, because I just think it's um, it's a little bit more difficult to get it right, so to speak, as far as setup, tires. I mean, Truggy, it's almost like you can drive it no matter what the setup or tires are. But um, Buggy's a little bit harder to get right. And then also, I feel like it's just like Nitro, especially, it's the premier class. It's the class you want to do well in. Yeah, it's kind of how I feel about it, too. But moving into qualifying, um, so Friday was practice, Saturday was qualifying. How do you feel like your qualifying day went? I know you had e-buggy and nitro buggy and truggy, so feel free to talk about them separately. Um, But maybe just speak to like what you felt was the best qualifier and why and what you felt was the worst qualifier and why. So I have to say qualifying was rough. I had issues staying consistent with the buggies. Um, just with tracks like the way SIC was set up this year, um, they're not really more how I like to drive, if that makes sense. I like more tracks where it's re- really busy, like, triple into a double like lots of jumps so seeing that got me nervous because I don't perform best on those kinds of layouts 
But so e-buggy for qual one and two, it was rough, I will say. But I seemed to pull it together in qual three for e-buggy, putting in a decent run. And for nitro buggy, it was pretty much the same thing. I just couldn't stay consistent until qual three. And with nitro truggy, uh, I wouldn't say I wasn't that inconsistent, but also wasn't like consistent enough to put it into the A. Um, I definitely tried to drive it as hard as I could, just knowing that there was so much competition open this year, which kind of bit me in the butt. <laughs> With qualifying, you spoke to um, Truggy. You definitely tried to h- drive it as hard as you could. I feel like I had a similar mindset with Buggy. All I drove was Buggy at SIC. I was um, super jealous that you all were driving Truggy because I'm normally in the Truggy class with you, but Dave drove it that weekend. Um, (laughs) But anyways, I feel like I was driving as, as fast as I could too in Buggy, like you were saying with how you were driving Truggy. But what I found... And I think this is just where I'm at in racing in general. And I don't know if you feel the same as you go through your racing um, career, if you'll call it. But um, I feel like you go through cycles. And I, I may have even mentioned this on the podcast before. But I feel like you go through cycles where you find some speed. But it takes a while for your consistency to catch up because you're trying to go so fast at a certain speed that you're bound to make a mistake almost. And so it takes a while for your consistency to catch up with that speed. And then when it does, then you get faster and you start the cycle over again. So I feel like a combination for me of how the track was, like you spoke to, it wasn't necessarily jump after jump after jump. There was a little bit more flow and driving so to speak um but a combination of how the track was and just where I'm at in my cycle of racing trying to find more speed I feel like it was harder for me to capitalize on the consistency I felt good after qualifier one because I had missed 10 laps but not by much in nitro buggy and the reason why I felt okay is because I was like okay I, I knew I made a mistake and I caught traffic So the combination of my mistakes and traffic, and I still almost got 10 laps, I was like, all right, if I can put one together in qualifier two and qualifier three, like I'm going to be in okay shape. So qualifier one, I had hope, even though it wasn't the best run. I think I finished like 23rd or something like that. But I was like, yeah, if I just get a smooth, clean run, I'm going to be okay. But I swear to you, I did the same thing every qualifier. It was like deja vu over and over again. And I think I was 22nd or 23rd every single round. So not only was my time not changing, but my position was not changing. That's where I was at with the buggies. I, I stayed in the same spot with the same pace, pretty much all qualifiers. Yeah, it's, I don't know what it was about the track or just me where I'm at in my driving, but I was like, man, is there something else that I can do besides a 9.506 and 20 second overall? Because that's what it was like every time. Um, but moving into the mains, you were really able to capitalize on some of this in the mains. So speak to us about how your main day went. 
So I qualified in the D main of eBuggy, which really lit a fire inside. I was like, I know I'm better than this. I know I could put this thing in the A if I really just focus on it. So I went in Sunday morning and I was like, all right, just focus on the race. You got this. I ended up winning the D main, bumping into that into the C main. And unfortunately, on like the second lap, I ran into a pileup of cars, which caused my shock shaft to compress into my shock body because it bent. So I was running pretty much the entire race with really jacked up front end suspension, which caused it to be terrible in the ruts because the track was pretty blown out Sunday morning. Uh, so I really just tried to stay consistent and try to drive as smooth as possible. And I think I finished like eighth or ninth in the C main, which I thought wasn't too bad considering I had like no front suspension. And then in Nitro Buggy, I qualified in the C main and I just, I couldn't put a run together. I don't know if it was that I had a pretty rough start and was in traffic for like the first five minutes or I just like was just off focus from what happened in the C main of e-buggy but I didn't do all that well I think I finished like 10th in the C and with truck that's where I put the most work in I was in the B main and I just I was like I I got a bump into the A. That was my main focus was putting it into the A. And I drove so hard. It was a crazy race going back and forth because the top three, which they only bumped two, the top three were so close to each other the entire race. Like it was like a different leader every two minutes. And I got the bump on the last lap because second place flamed out. So I was able to get second, bumping into the A. In the A main, everyone was going insane on the driver's stand after the bump or after the start of the race. So I just knew I had to keep calm. I didn't have to drive hard. I just had to make sure I didn't make any mistakes. And by the end, I would be up there. And towards the end of the race, that's when I could start pushing it and start working my way up. So around the last pit stop... I hear, like, I'm in sixth place, so that's when I really try to, like, push it to the limit. So it was pretty close to the end that I made it into the number five spot. Me and Dave, Dave was running in fourth, where we weren't that far off, and it would have come down to the last lap, I think, if I didn't make a mistake and hit pit lane with, like, three seconds left on the clock. I hit pit lane and caused me to lose a lap towards the end. But I was able to finish fifth in the A in Nitro Truck, which was pretty nice. Uh, It was a great way to end a rough weekend. You played the bump game in two out of the three classes, so that just speaks volumes to the fact that it ain't over till it's over. So kudos to you for playing the bump game so well. Um, 
but also the, the competition was as stacked as it's ever been in the open class. So, you know, you're out there competing with some of the best of the best from all over the place. There were people who traveled from the north, the south, the east, the west. I mean, everybody was there. So um, I think there's nothing to not be proud of in any of those results. But I specifically want to speak to Truggy because I had to pit Dave in Truggy. And um, one, first, let's talk about how you both were in the B main and only two bumped to the A. Dave won the B, you finished second, and people went nuts in pit row when you made the pass and were able to capitalize on second flaming out and took that final bump spot. And not only did you two finish one, two in the B main, but you guys started 14th and 15th and you finished fourth and fifth in the A main. So that is an extremely huge accomplishment. And when I say you were killing it out there, you were killing it out there because I had the headsets on with Dave too. And, um, you know, Dave was looking for third place for the longest time. And I remember thinking at the end of the race, I was like, forget third place. Kiara is coming up on you. So you need to do something about defending your fourth place position right now. So, um, (laughs) you are definitely coming and, um, I I would agree that it would have came down to just who got the better last lap had that not happened at the end right there. But it was still a really good race, and you got a podium out of that. So that is just absolutely insane and phenomenal, and congratulations to you. That's a huge accomplishment. Thank you. We kind of touched on the track a little bit. So where I want to move to next is I think – I'm saying this correctly, that you have been to an SIC race before. I never have. So what I want you to speak to is if I am saying that information, if I do have correct information, um, what did you think about this track compared to previous year's track? And just kind of what was the easiest section for you and what was the most difficult? So, yeah, this is my third time being at uh, an SIC event. Um, I would definitely say that the easiest part of the track for me was probably the section where it was the big tabletop in the middle going into the double. I had a really nice line, um, just outside of the ruts that formed on the inside of the pipe that would, uh, shoot me over the double And then I would land and then go into um, the middle of the the ruts. I don't want to call them ruts, like the whoops, going into the next corner. Um, And I would definitely say that this track layout, like, flowed a lot easier and a lot better than past track layouts that they have done at this event. I've um I've also heard comments about the traction specifically. I um again, this is the only one that I've ever been to, but I heard people at the race who have been to SIC before say that the traction was actually better this year. How did you feel about that or did you notice anything? So, 
Yeah, there was a lot more traction this year than there was last year. I think last year it was a bit colder, so that may have played an effect on it. I can't really say for my first time being at one of those events because it was so long ago. But, yeah, I could definitely see a difference between this year and last year. There was a lot more traction this year. I'm a big advocate or believer, if you will, that I don't really care what the surface is if we're all driving on the same surface. Because at the end of the day, my competitor is competing on the same surface as I am. So, you know, the amount of traction doesn't necessarily bother me, but I just think it's interesting to hear the difference from um, year to year. But I definitely did not feel like I was searching for traction. I mean, sure, it was dusty at the end, especially as we got towards the mains. Um, But I still felt like when you're in the groove, there's no lack of grip. Yeah, for sure. There was definitely a nice black groove starting to form towards the end of qualifying day. Um, that that was definitely nice having in the main because, like, yes, there was a bit of dust, but, like, you always had that traction, and it was a nice line to be able to follow throughout the track. Yeah, um, I would completely agree with that statement. So just kind of... I was actually thought that the layout of the facility was kind of cool. So what are your thoughts on like the actual facility itself that we were racing in? So I really like this facility. It's one of my favorite ones out of all the race time event facilities. Um, I think it's really nice that a lot of the vendors are able to pit inside the arena and that um, they're also able to pit outside the arena and still like be close to all the people that are inside pitting inside and how they have like space for trailers and how um they have like the double doors like doors and then like a room and then doors again where people can also pit and i think it's really um open for pit areas if you're gonna if you're gonna compare it to the ams arena a lot of people had to pit outside because of like the spacing but with this uh event and arena everyone was more like together like a family inside the arena the other thing specifically that i thought was cool um was if i compare it to most of my race time experiences are with pmb and wicked weekend But um, what I noticed about this layout or facility was that it was really cool to watch the races like at eye level. Maybe that's not exactly what I'm trying to say either, but you were just like extremely close to the racing that's going on when you actually watch the races, because it's part of what's exciting at these events is not just racing yourself, but getting to watch as many of the pro level guys who are the best of the best in the country or the world all race each other in their qualifiers and their mains. But um, I noticed that you could really get close to the track and see what they were doing and watch their car in a particular section. And I just thought it was cool how close you were. And honestly, I did not think there was a bad spot 
um, as far as watching the races either. Like you could pretty much see everything, even if you were at eye level with the track. Um, but that's different from PNB and Wicked because if you watch at PNB and Wicked, probably even more so PNB than Wicked, you're pretty far away from the track and or can't see everything. Um, and or you're really high up. So it was just a different experience that I really kind of liked. Yeah, with the PNB arena, um, you correct me if I'm wrong, but if you want to see them like on the on the track up and close, you have to be on the track because with PNB, um, they have like the the stands, right? Yes, but I feel like even if you're standing on the track at PMB, those jumps are so big and so gnarly that you can't even see around them if you're standing on the track. So it's almost like you have to go up into the bleachers to if you're trying to get a full picture of what's going on and not just look at one specific section. Yeah, I definitely agree with that statement. And the same with Wicked. Um, The way that Wicked is set up, they have the driver stand on one side and the bleachers on the other and then like the open space on the two sides of the track where staging's on one side so they're really if you want to be on the ground watching them there's really only one side that you can really watch them on so since we're talking about race time sic is a race time entertainment event what is your favorite race time event So I would have to say my favorite race time event is probably either um, Southern Indoor Nationals or uh, Wicked Weekend because I love the facility with Wicked Weekend. Um, I love how it's covered. You don't have to worry about weather or anything. And um, the time of year, it's really great because it's like right before I start school. So I don't have to miss school for it. And um, it's really nice running Nitro at that event because the sides are open. It doesn't get like really foggy inside. And with Southern Nationals, I love the way it's set up with seating and then qualifying and the mains and the indoor arena with the AC. It's really nice. I've never been to Southern Indoor Nats before, so that's definitely a bucket list race for me. It's kind of like the same deal, though. It's hard to um, <laughs> it's hard to take a day off school, especially when you are the teacher. But um, I love Wicked Weekend for that reason, too. It's like right before school starts and the weather is so nice and it's still summery and the facility is just really cool because it's so open. Um, But I think it's funny that you mentioned school because that's definitely a selling point for me, too, which is why I was actually sad. I've never been to AMS before, but my school shifted their calendar schedule. And so our summer was going to start a little bit earlier than it typically does. And I was going to be able to make the AMS and then they moved it to November. So I guess I'm it's possible I may not get to experience that one either, but I was actually looking forward to that race being in uh, June. AMS was a hard race for me to make this year just because of school. I would have to miss a lot. Um, But we thought like 
if I really work hard once we get back home, then it would be all right because of the whole online situation this year. I wouldn't be missing as many days as I would for like local races and these big race time events like PMB, like the races that I go to every year. So where do you go from here? What's your next races? What's in store for 2021? Any goals that you want to speak to? So my next big event would most likely be PMB with like a couple small um local events between here and then um a goal that I do have is I would like to be able to move up into the pro class at these race time events by the end of 2021 um and really just keep working on my race program and making sure that it's as good as it can be Setting the bar high, I like it. It's one of the reasons why um, I really wanted to have you on and love to talk to you and love to continue to talk to you on the podcast because not only does Race Like a Girl specifically try to show that any female can get into racing and enjoy racing, but I feel like we really work hard to show that we have a competitive place in this sport. And so I enjoy hearing that that's your goal to eventually move up to the pro class at the race time entertainment events. Um, I feel like I run pro locally at every race, but moving up to pro at a race like a race time entertainment event definitely takes it to the next level. So um, it's super cool to hear that. One uh, last thing that I wanted to touch on, and honestly, you're probably going to hear me talk about this with every female racer that we bring on for the this SIC episode, but I just want you to speak a little bit to um, why you like racing or why it's an enjoyable hobby for you, because I feel like we we do have a lot of female listeners, not just um, not just the guy RC racers, trust me, we appreciate all the support from all of you, whether you're a girl or a guy, but, um, I just want you to speak to why you enjoy it, why you like racing. So everyone in my family grew up racing. Um, my dad raced automobiles, my uncle raced sprint cars. So the whole racing aspect, I kind of grew up with. And I'm also a really competitive person. I've been in competitive sports my whole life. Um, That's just something that I am inside. I'm so competitive. So I feel like the whole racing aspect of RC um, and the competitiveness just really work for me. um, I've said this before, but I felt like I needed another place to release my competitive nature when dance stopped for me so rc was definitely a good place for for me to release my competitiveness because um (laughs) i'm almost like competitive to a flaw but um it's part of what keeps me going So um, thank you, Kiara. We can't thank you enough for um, coming on and making this SIC episode with us. 
before we roll into our next female guest, I just want to give you an opportunity to say any thank yous that you want to say or give a shout out to your sponsors, anything of that nature. So, yeah, I definitely want to give a shout out to my sponsors. They definitely keep me going with the racing and support me with all the racing that I do. So my sponsors are TLR, J Concepts, OS Speed, Trinity, Hobbywing, ProTech RC, ProRC, and Speed Demon Hobbies. And I'd also like to thank my parents for supporting me through this crazy hobby and um, <laughs> just help put me through it. Thanks again, Kiara. Um, we've really enjoyed having you on and I'm sure it was a special treat for the listeners. So we'll catch up with you on the next one. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. All right. So this wouldn't be an SIC episode if we didn't have both Katie and Katie on this episode. So the next guest that I want to introduce you guys all to is Katie Roxbury. So, hey, Katie, how's it going? Hello. Good. Um, I'm excited to be on here. I've never been on a podcast before, so it's like completely new to me. I feel like our our past crossed so much at SIC, so I feel like we have um, a ton to talk about. But um, yeah, we're excited to have you on and um, talk all things SIC. So, be- so before we get to SIC, I actually want to take the opportunity to let you properly introduce yourself because I feel like a lot of people probably already know who you are, but we have listeners all over. And um, I say that because I was actually at a track recently practicing after SIC and um you know, it was just a practice day, so it wasn't racing or anything, but there was a nitro guy that was by himself, um, and he, and so I was helping Dave Pitt at the time, and so I kept being like, yeah, it's fine, I'll put your car down or fuel you up, like, I'm not practicing at the moment, I'm just helping Dave out, so it's, like, really no big deal, but um, he came off the driver's stand, and he was like, he was like, hey, what's your name? I was like, Katie. He was like, Katie Roxbury? I was like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was like, no. And he was like, oh, Carmody. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. I was like, yeah, you, you got it right. You got a good 50-50 shot there. <laughs> right. But um, anyways, yeah, we want to take a chance to let you properly introduce yourself. So just kind of tell us how you got started into RC racing and just a little bit about you. Sweet. Well, I'm excited to be on here. Thanks. Um, yes, my name's Katie Roxbury. Um, I started racing back in 2008, 2009 is when I got first introduced to RC. Um, my dad actually introduced me. Um, we started racing at the Nitro Pit in Surprise, Arizona. So like Rivkin was there, Mayfield was there, um, like all of those top guys were there. Um, and so my dad was just driving by on his way home from work one day and was like, oh, I wonder what that is. Stopped in, saw it. Um, I went to the track with him one day and I was instantly hooked. I was like, wow, I want to do this every single weekend. I don't want to get away from this. I love it. Um, so I guess, um, but yeah, it was, it was really cool. Um, 
We stopped racing actually for about eight years um, because we moved across the country and uh, we left all of our RC stuff with a family friend who had passed away um, and we kind of lost contact with his family. Um, So we kind of lost all of our stuff. Um, In 2016, I moved to Vegas and I started racing again out there. So I've been racing consistently every ever since 2016 um but i have known you know about this cool little world since um like way back when (laughs) that's pretty cool that's pretty awesome i had no idea that you lived out in vegas so what were the tracks that you raced at when you lived out in vegas um, in Vegas, when I first started uh, racing out there, there was a track called RC Tracks of Las Vegas. Um, so it was the biggest track um, in Nevada, I would say, that we had at the time. Um, really amazing facility, super clean. The track was always, you know, upkept, really nice. Um, the owner was awesome. It was kind of on um, like a, I don't know, it had um, like a go-kart track on the facility as well as like a baseball training like field type thing um so it was like a sports complex um but it was a really big track it closed down um a few years ago actually um because of you know some complications I guess um and then there was also another track more public called uh Silver Bowl um that we had gone down there a few times and just ran on for fun but yeah That's super cool. So do you notice a difference between the tracks that you would typically race here against? I'm still going to kind of call you East Coast. The tracks Mm -hmm. that you would race on the East Coast versus what you raced on when you raced out in Vegas? Yeah, so um, the temperatures were a lot hotter in Vegas. I raced in Cali a lot as well. So aside from RC Tracks of Las Vegas, we would go to like Thunder Alley. We would go to um what are the other tracks out there uh i'm not sure i think that's different and then we would go down to um like the southern part of nevada at um pahrump so there was a track down there so um i guess the difference would be just the temperatures i guess and the track conditions are a lot drier out in um you know, the West Coast states um, and the East Coast, I would say you're running like softer compounds on the West Coast states. You're running like harder compound tires, um, something that you can, you know, something that's long wear. Um, but yeah, I guess every everybody in the RC community in general is super um, welcoming, I guess you could say. So regardless on like west coast states and east coast states everybody's super excited to help you out and introduce themselves and you know get everybody um working together as a team i have never raced out on the west coast but i think it'd be super cool to take like an extended vacay or something like that where you could hit more than just one track um mostly because i just cannot fathom we went and raced the fuel nets not last year, the year before when they were at Texas. I don't know what year that puts us, 2019, 2018, something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, we flew to Texas, but we had a friend that was driving that took all of our stuff. And I just cannot fathom 
packing so lightly to be able to fit everything on the plane. I feel like my tires alone are ridiculous. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I um, I actually flew for the first time for an RC event to um, uh, Southern Indoor Championships last year. So not this previous one in January, but the one in 2020. I flew for the first time and I had to pack so light. Like it's not that my bags were super full and I couldn't take both bags, but I had to fill both bags up halfway because of the weight. So along with that and also trying to figure out like where your cars are going to go, figure out like, is your radio going to stay in the radio case? Or are you going to have to carry it? You know, just things like that that you have to be conscious about. So I swore after that. Also, I accidentally like my radio broke on the way home. So luckily it didn't happen on the way down to the race. Um, but my radio, uh, like the wheel on it completely just broke off um, because it got checked when it was not supposed to um so that was not a very good first experience with flying um but it'll teach me to pack a little bit better um and be kind of wary about where I put certain things um so I think if I were to have to fly to an event um it would have to be only for DNC or Silver State um actually this year for silver state i think i might be driving because i think jared's gonna come with me and we might carpool together so we won't have to fly so that'll be oh nice. my goodness how many hours is that oh my gosh i i think i capped it at maybe like 19 hours or something like that oh. from iowa so imagine jared having to drive like three out three and a half hours to my house already from illinois and then us driving like another 19 hours to vegas Oh my gosh, that's insane. So I guess that was a question too. It's no secret that you and Jared Wiggins are dating. So <laughs> you mentioned that was one of my questions is how close do you live to each other? Like how easy for it is it for you guys to meet and race at a track? Is there even a track that's in between y'all or like what's your home track? Yeah, so I guess um, my home track would be um, uh, Brad, uh, what's his name? Brad Horsch. He has um, a track uh, and some land out here in Urbandale, um, which is where I live. So I guess I haven't been there yet, but come, you know, the warmer months, I'll be going there a lot um, just because it's so close. But I think the next closest track um, that I would run at more would be Thunder Road, which is in between Jared and I. Um, so it's uh, kind of like to and from on the way, um, either way from like his house or my house. Um, so I think going there uh, a lot will be happening. Um, but the travel distance or the travel time, I should say, from me and Jared before when I was living in Pennsylvania was eight hours. So we would see each other only for racing because we, we tried to plan it around racing because that's something that we both love to do. Um, so we would probably plan to see each other maybe once every other month or once a month, if that. Um, but now since we're only three and a half hours away with me being in Iowa, it makes it a lot easier to where I can just drive to his house and we can carpool down to like sick or PNB um or like down to texas we've taken a trip down to texas for a few weeks um over the summer last year that was fun um but yeah so the 
traveling time is not as far as it used to be, but it still sucks being so far, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. I feel like I have so many more things that I want to ask you about. And the first one is what really piqued my interest about you specifically is that it seems like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you're um, pretty into wrenching in on your car or at least capable of doing it. So just like, first of all, am I correct in saying that? Yeah, of course. I wrench on all my own things. Um, so I don't have, you know, anybody, I wish I had a, a mechanic, but I don't. Um, but yeah, I wrench on all my own things. Um, I try my best to rebuild my cars fully, um, before each race. So a hundred percent before each big event, um, I would tear down my cars, clean them, um, replace some things that they, if they need replacing and then put my car back together. But for like small club races, um, I'd probably, you know, save my resources and, um, do the minimum for those just because if I'm going to Thunder Road every single weekend, I don't need my cars um, in tip top shape for just um, little club races. I want to, you know, save, save that a little bit. I feel you. And um, the reason why I was asking is because, well, Kiara was recording before you for one and she was like, yeah, my dad wrenches on it. And I'm like, I'm jealous. I wish I had that. Like, so you know, that's freaking awesome. But um, how did how did you get to the point where you were self-sufficient enough to be wrenching on your car? Did someone teach you or were you just like, hey, if I'm going to do this, I've got to know how to do this, especially if no one else is with me when I'm racing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of um, all of the above. When I started racing back in 2016, um, I ran Mugen at the time and I had a partner with me that was showing me um, how to do everything, you know, how to tear down the cars. You know, if I forgot anything, I would just pull out the manual again or pull it up online um, and then, you know, follow the manual and rebuild the car. But also there's tips and tricks that you need to know in order to rebuild those cars properly so you can just look on the manual to see the basic stuff but in order to know like um greasing the o-rings or you know not greasing the drive shafts or the dog bones or something um you know relubing your uh clutch bearings is important um double checking your clutch bearings and your clutch shoes making sure that you know your motor is maintained um if you're running nitro so um just kind of over time and over the years it's just things that little things that you learn that help a lot um but yeah it was kind of just straight from the beginning I was learning how to wrench on my own stuff not that I didn't have somebody to do it for me um but also I was just very curious and I wanted to be independent in that way um so just in case I did go to a race I wasn't um you know on my own not knowing what to do so for you, is it something that you enjoy doing or is it more of like a need? I think it's both. Um, in order to do well at a race, you kind of have to wrench on your cars and you have to maintain them so that, first of all, they don't break. Um, second of all, there's no mechanical issues on the track while you're racing. You're giving yourself the best opportunity to do the best that you can at that event but also I just like wrenching on my car I like having my own space it clears my head a little bit you know getting to work on the cars and um it helps me be better not only on the track but um be better 
a, be a better teammate and driver. So if somebody comes up to me and asks me a question, Hey, what do you think about this change? Or what do you think about your tires that you're running on, you know, the track, um, being able to know, uh, a variety of things about my, my tires or my car or how it works allows me to answer those questions a little bit better. I would definitely agree, but I'd be lying to you if I said I enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. There's some people out there, you know, some racers that would much rather just run and run and run. And not going to lie, like wrenching is not my 100% favorite thing to do. I would rather just run my car as much as I can. Um, but it's not something that I totally dread doing before our race, you know. I would definitely ditto, though, that I feel like... Um because I've had to do it and be pretty self-sufficient there's I'm getting to the point where there's nothing that I would really need to be like hey Dave can you do this because I just don't know how to do it Mm -hmm. um but I would ditto what you said about now that I have been through it and I'm pretty self-sufficient I have been to races without him there so and everything was fine so I feel like I'm pretty self-sufficient and could be But um, I do appreciate and enjoy, one, that um, from a driver perspective, I feel like I just understand things a little bit better. And I feel like wrenching on the car has helped me. I wouldn't say I'm perfect at it. Still a work in progress as far as like me totally knowing if, for example, my car is too aggressive with the steering, like what exact change would I make? Um, Sometimes I'll kind of debrief with Dave and be like, hey, what change would you do based on this? It's not that I don't know how to fix or change whatever he tells me, but sometimes I'll still debrief with him on like, well, what specific change would you make? But I do feel like it's helped me understand the car a little bit better. And then also, I would agree that um, because I know how to do that, I can definitely appreciate that when I'm at a track, I'm able to help somebody. And so since we're talking about it, I'm just thinking about some times where it was like definitely a shock to people who don't know me um, or have never seen me on a racetrack to be like, oh, bro, like if they see me pitting outside, wrenching on my car, or even pitting the car. Like, I I remember having some weird reactions in pit row. Like, there's one time Dave flamed out, and I got him going again super fast and filled him up, sent him out, you know, all that. I made an adjustment for him because he was worried that that was the reason that I flamed out. And <laughs> a guy in pit row was just like, whoa, you know what you're doing. And I was like, well, that. <laughs> Like, why is that shocking? Just because I'm a girl? Yeah. So um, do you have any experience like that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like being a girl, I feel like we have the most experiences with, you know, people being shocked out of anybody else. And it's so funny you ask that because I had the exact same reactions numerous times, um, especially like whenever I moved from Vegas to Pennsylvania and I started racing out there on my own like with my dad it was at that you know I think it was Mugen Challenge um in 2019 I believe is when I first uh, it was my first race out on the east coast was that was when I was actually by myself and I needed to be you know knowledgeable for myself like I didn't have who I had previously in Vegas helping me out 
um, at this race. So I was like, okay, I got to get, you know, my head on straight. I have to learn um, all these tuning like tricks with the motor, especially with racing nitro. Um, you have to know a lot more with racing nitro than you do with any other class, I, I would say. Um, so whenever I was out there for Mugen Challenge, you know, I was tuning the car. Um, I was actually tuning my dad's Truggy and because he was new into racing again after 2008 he took an even longer break than I did so he didn't know much about nitro and I was tuning his car and I wasn't really paying attention to my, my surroundings like with who was watching me or anything because I was so focused on what I was doing that after I was tuning his car and we were getting ready you know to throw it on the track he was like do you know how many people were looking at you just now in amazement like with their jaws dropped and I was like what do you mean he goes there was just a lot of people amazed that you are a girl and you were tuning my car for me and I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, well, that's really cool. I mean, I didn't notice that because I wasn't, you know, looking at that. Um, but it was really cool to see, you know, other people recognizing, um, I guess, with me being there. Um, and then when we finally got him out on the track, um, I, uh, he had come in and I had this guy that was standing next to me pitting another guy, um, while I was pitting my dad and he came in and I was doing some adjustments on the tune for his motor. And the guy goes, Oh, it's too lean on top. And I'm just thinking to myself, actually, you're wrong. Um, I do know what I'm doing. Like, I didn't want to say this like in a disrespectful way. I was like, Oh, okay, no problem. Yep. I got you. Um, but in my head, I'm thinking, actually it's this, um, so we were able to make those adjustments and get his car running perfectly that day and let him loose. But it was really funny how, um, like, I don't want to sound disrespectful or anything. Cause I a hundred percent appreciate the help that, you know, drivers offer me, um, when I'm pitting somebody. Um, but I do know what I'm doing. I just want to let you guys know that. Um, but it's really interesting because sometimes as a female, you're underestimated, especially in a sport with racing, like racing cars, you know, people think that you don't have the ability, um, to like be on your own with tuning a motor or finding good setup adjustments. Um, so just being able to quietly prove them wrong is kind of nice. (laughs) (laughs) I, um, (laughs) I would agree. But I would say that tuning a nitro motor especially is when I get the most weird reactions because, you know, I like to help people out in pit row a lot, especially if it's practice or I'm not super focused on like, you know, pitting my drivers, especially if it is a practice session. And um, I'm the first one to say thank you literally one billion times on this podcast (laughs) for anybody who's ever helped Dave and I, because especially um it was it was so easy i'll put it this way when i consistently ran sportsmen at any race that we went to whether it was club regional local national you name it um i ran sportsman he ran pro or i ran sportsman he ran open but now that we're both running open at the big races and both running pro at the local races it's like holy crap we can't really help each other if we're both in the same main and um so i'm the first one to say thank you to anybody who's ever helped us or pit us but um so when people are practicing i try to help them out because like i know that i need help sometimes too so when people come in and need like fuel or something like that especially if i don't know them i'm like i'm like you good you want an adjustment and i'll have like a tuning screwdriver in my hand and they're like what (laughs) 
You yep. can do that? Like, yes, I know which way is, if you tell me lean or which way is rich, if you tell me top, bottom, mid, like, we're yeah. good. Just tell me what you want. Um, but yeah, that's funny to hear your experience too. Yeah, it's really interesting though, because um, I, I, I know some people asked, you know, I feel like every female in RC has been asked this question, but the most popular question I feel like we get asked is, is it difficult being a female in the sport of RC? And at first you think about it, you're like, um, kind of. And then you really think about it and you're like, no, it actually sort of makes things easier because people are, you know, the first one to jump to your rescue and you're like, do you need help? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? Go for it. Like if I need a pit person, there's always somebody there to help. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's really interesting. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> All right. So we'll move into SIC since I guess I technically sold this as an SIC episode. So I'm going to just kind of take you through the stages of the race at SIC, um, just like I did Kiara. So let's start with practice. So first, what classes did you run? Because you ran more than one. And two, how do you feel like your practice went? Or what did you do during practice? Like, what were your goals? Or what were you trying to figure out? Did you test anything? You know, anything of that nature with practice? Mm -hmm. So I think I found, um, like, a general setup that works pretty much everywhere. Um, so I don't mess with my cars a whole lot I make small adjustments to the car if I go to a bigger event um also I just don't want to make a ton of changes and the track also changes a ton and I'm just like fighting my car on setup um so for practice I uh, actually to start off I ran um open nitro buggy and open e-buggy those were my two classes that I ran that weekend um for practice I was just mainly trying to get um track time to learn the layout um, so I took my e-buggy out there for a few, a few battery packs, um, learned the layout pretty well. So I was like, okay, I feel comfortable. So I took my nitro out there and I feel like e-buggy is pretty, um, is pretty easy to, to race with. I think nitro trying to get the motor tuned right and make sure that, you know, it's not too rich, not too lean on the track or it, you know, it runs correctly on, on the track is where I struggle the most. Um, so I feel like having a lot of nitro time, a, a lot of nitro time is, uh, crucial for me. So the majority of the time, if I go to these events with practice and stuff, I just try to get as much track time with my nitro car as I can. I, um, I would definitely agree. I don't think it matters whether my second class is e-buggy or even nitro truggy. Those are the, um, Two other classes that would be a possibility for me, but Dave and I both share one e-buggy and one nitro chuggy. Um, I only ran nitro buggy partly because um, we knew going into the weekend that it was very possible that if we made the A that we weren't going to be able to stay for Monday just because of work obligations that it like literally wasn't possible to take a vacation day even if we had vacation days sort of sort of thing um but also Dave did a lot of work on the nitro truggy and so it was very hard for me to argue with him and say <laughs> that um that yeah I wanted it because I'm very self-aware that I hogged that truggy so I only ran nitro buggy but I feel the same way um if I did not 
even if I had a second class, I would be willing to bet that I only ran either e-buggy or nitro truggy like one time in practice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, um, I don't know if it's like harder to get nitro buggy right or you're just, you know, for me, nitro buggy is like the class where I like want to do really well in the other classes for me I consider just like track time (laughs) yeah I agree with that I think nitro buggy is and always has been my number one top class so of course I you know number I think nitro buggy is the number one you know running class for everyone I'd say because it's you know, you get to the end of main day and it's nitro buggy that's last with all the pros and you're like, oh my God, who's winning like nitro buggy um, today? But yeah, nitro buggy is 100% number one for me. And if I do well in nitro buggy, then I feel good about the weekend. Um, But yeah. And then also when it comes to like setup and stuff, I didn't really make a ton of setup changes only because the track was ever changing. Like each run I went out there it was different from the last one. Um, so uh, figuring out setup, I was just like, okay, I'm going to get comfortable with this. My car feels good. It doesn't feel excellent because I'm also still trying to figure out setup for the car in general, like figuring out what things on the car does what, if that makes sense. So I know like shock oils and diff oils, I know partially on you know the majority of how that works, I can do you know, changing sway bars, because I know that's a huge part of it. But as far as like, um, changing, and then ride height is another thing that is important that a lot of people don't think about. Um, But as far as changing, I don't know, like C&D blocks or changing certain pills, I don't really know what each one of those does. And I'm still learning that. Um, But uh, tires also was a huge thing, because I know, um, uh, with AK that I'm, you know, I'm sponsored by AK and I was running, um, their tires for SIC and I only had one type of tire. I was running, um, super soft longwear grids the entire weekend. I think for both my cars, I had a total of three sets of tires the entire weekend that I used, um, for all classes. So initially I used one set for nitro, um and e-buggy practice the next day I used one set for nitro and e-buggy qualifying and then I used one set for main day for both cars so it was super easy with tires too because I didn't have to struggle with that I um the you probably felt like the track came to you if I had a guess though because I know a lot of pro line guys that actually ended up on our S4 compound which is a super soft long wear tire and that's what a lot of them ran in the main um I ran a clay compound but um yeah I feel like the track probably came to you by main time (laughs) yeah no it felt great by main time um I feel like I could have done better as a driver, um, but my car felt really good by by main day. So um, moving into qualifying, speak to us about, and you can speak to this in both e-buggy and nitro buggy because you ran both classes. What would you say was like your best qualifier? What would you say was your worst qualifier? And just kind of how did it go? Um, It's hard kind of keeping track and Jared rags on me about this all the time because I'll like go for a weekend race or whatever like a big event and then the next weekend I'll be like wait a minute what happened last weekend um but I feel like 
for Q1, my, um, I can't remember which one it was, but I had a really good run for, I think, Nitro Buggy in Q1. Um, and then E-Buggy was kind of, you know, I was struggling a little bit. And then Q2, I had a really good run in E-Buggy and a not so good run in Nitro Buggy. So I was kind of like trying to figure out how to um, be, what is it, like switch back and forth easily between the two classes. Because running E-Buggy and running Nitro Buggy, they're so different on the track especially with like your power band for e-buggy you have power immediately and for nitro buggy you don't have that you know super fast initial power um so it was really difficult for me to transition between the classes on the track um so i think that's something that i have to work on because i'm still not completely used to running e-buggy i'm just i've always been a nitro person and this past summer is when i got a little bit introduced into um like the electric cars um but yeah, I was kind of going back and forth with which class I had good runs in. Um, Q3 came around and I kind of pulled myself together for both classes and I got decent runs. Um, but I had at least one throwaway uh, with each class. I um, think it's interesting that you said that because I normally don't only run one class, but I did at SIC for various different reasons. But I feel like I feel the same way. And in some ways, I actually kind of surprised myself in how I felt um, at the race because I was like, man, this is going to be so boring only running one class. But um, when I'm at these race time entertainment events, even in practice, I'm like so focused on track time. I feel like I was actually able to take a second and try some stuff as far as setup in practice. And it wasn't just like getting in line every second because that's all I was running was nitro buggy. So I took a second to go back, um, test some different shock packages. I lowered the center diff weight, played with a couple other things too. But um, even in qualifying, I noticed that um, you spoke to it being difficult switching back and forth between e-buggy and nitro buggy. And I would agree, but I would also agree with even nitro chuggy and nitro buggy because um, the nitro chuggy is just like it goes over anything. So there have been a lot of races where if that class comes first, it's almost like when I run nitro buggy I'm like, oh, I didn't know that was there. Like the truckie was just like powering over everything. I like didn't know about all these little divots and holes and all these other things. But it's interesting to hear you say that. Um, so yeah. moving moving into the mains, um, how did you feel like the mains went? Um, the mains were okay. I think it sounds really silly, but my goal was to get up with all of the girls. Like I really wanted <laughs> to be there with you guys. And I think my, my goal this week and I was like, Oh my gosh, I just want to like, I want to get into the B main of open. Like I want at first I was trying to go for the A main. I was like, wow, I have the potential here. But then I got like composed myself. I was like, okay, be realistic here. Um, try to get into the B main. You you can do this. And so both of my cars were pretty even um, at the end of qualifying. So I landed um, 31 out of 67 or 69 for Nitro. And I landed 32 out of 69 for um, E-Buggy. So pretty much about the same. Um, competition this year was 
brutal. Like it was stacked for sure. Like I think we had, and Jimmy said this as well during the race, but I think we had the most female drivers at one event that I've ever seen. Um, and I thought that was really cool. Cause it was like, okay, I, I get to see where, you know, I stack up not only to, you know, all of the other drivers in the U S but also like stack up to the other female racers that, you know, are here. So that was nice. Um, for main day, I landed, um, towards the top of the sea for both. So I was fifth in nitro buggy and sixth in e-buggy, um, out of how many drivers were in a run, I think 15, 15, 15. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, um, it wasn't too bad, but my goal was to bump for both. Well, actually, only 13 started the main. Two of the drivers were bumps from the previous main. So straight into the main was 13. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, there was bumps. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, my goal was to bump. I feel like since I was, you know, towards the top of the main, I had potential there to bump to the B. Um, so both of the runs, I started out kind of rough. Like my first and second lap was not that great. I would kind of get a decent start and then I would just get owned, um, like halfway through a lap or something. So I fell back, um, in both classes for the first couple of laps. Um, and then I came back strong in the middle, got up to, um, like the first or second bump spot, um, held it for a little while for both classes. Um, and then eventually kind of just dropped off. I wasn't able to keep up pace. Um, everybody was getting f faster and more consistent than me, um, during that run. And I just, uh, I think once I make a mistake, um, it's hard to keep my composure after that. So that's something that I have to work on because if I make a mistake, that mistake is in my head the rest of the race. And I know that has to change. And I know that I can't make up time, but I can always lose more time if that makes sense. So if I make a mistake, I have to put it behind me, learn from it, and then just keep driving and, you know, keep moving forward. But also, I was actually talking to Tyler Hooks um, shortly. I think it was the day after we got back from um, that race that weekend. And I was talking to him. I was like, Tyler, I really want to get better. I need your advice. I was talking to Jared as well. I was like, I don't like, I feel like I'm kind of stuck. I want to get better. I want to, you know, get better results during these races have you noticed anything on the track that I can do better on? And Tyler was like, I think one thing is opening up your peripherals, like making sure that you're aware of other drivers around you, which I, I kind of had that in my head, but I didn't really think about it that much. Um, so like whenever there's a, a wreck in front of me, make sure that I'm conscious of the wreck in, in front of me. Um, if, you know, leaders are coming up on me, uh, you know, get out of the way a little bit. Um, or if I'm fighting for a position, a lot of the times on the track, if I don't have a headset on, I have no idea where I'm at in position on the track. So that's something that I have to work on as well. Um, is kind of paying attention to the announcer, um, paying attention to everybody else on the track as well as myself. Um, and then kind of predict what's going to happen, um, on the track. So, it was a struggle for mains just a little bit because I, I was just short of those bump spots. Um, but I will do my best to continue to get better and practice and practice and come back stronger in the next one. I, um, 
I honestly would chalk that up as a win because you had some killer races in both your um, e-buggy race and your nitro buggy race. And I definitely felt like you you held your own this weekend and for sure showed a lot of speed. Um, I had a lot of fun racing with you, but I would also agree that one, the competition was really stacked between every competitor but two there were definitely some of the best of the best uh female rc racers there and so it was just so much fun because all of us were there like it was just fun to be able to race um race each other at that level but in nitro buggy especially i was like super bummed i was gunning for the b main and qualifying because i I had okay first and second qualifiers. Um, I was on a 10-lap run at one point and then would make a mistake. And, you know, sometimes it's my own mistake, like you were um, speaking to, like not not watching your peripherals or just making a mistake on my own because I'm trying to push it so hard um, mm-hmm. and really get the speed out of my car. But, um, but yeah, I kept falling off that 10-lap pace. <laughs> And so it put me starting second in the C main. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? I couldn't get like one more position here. Um, But the C main was a lot of fun. And at one point, I think it was like the middle five minutes. um, It was super cool because Jimmy was announcing the race and he was like, Katie's in the lead and Katie's in second. And at one point it was you than me. And at one point it was me than you. But it was just like the coolest thing ever that because I remember saying to you before the race, like, how cool would that be if it's a Katie Katie show? And it literally almost was. Um so it was fun racing with you, and um, I really wanted you to get that second bump <laughs> spot and go to the B with me. Um, but it was it was fun, great racing, and so I think that you did a really, really good job. Thank you. You killed it also. I was so excited for you when you got that bump spot, and then whenever Jimmy was announcing that it was Katie and Ketty, I agree. Like, I was ecstatic. I was like, no way. Like, we were just talking about this. She mentioned this, and I think... I got um, a little excited, and that's part of why I dropped the <laughs> a little bit. So I was like, oh, my God, no way. Like, I'm so nervous about this. Like, this should be us. And it was it was really interesting. I was really glad, though, that at least one of us got it, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I know. I wish it was both. So moving on to talking about the track. The track, I've never been to SIC. So as far as, like, comparing it to previous SICs, I don't have a whole lot of experience to talk on, but um, I thought that it was a pretty fun layout. And so I just wanted to get your thoughts on the track itself, what part you thought was easy, what part you thought was difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, this was my second SIC. Um, It was my, uh, I think it was my third, technically third race time event that I've attended. Last year's SIC, I think uh, I think I can say for the other previous SICs as well, or just race time events in general, the track has never blown out as quickly as 
it did this year for SIC. So like even in practicing, it, we could already start to see like the track was breaking up and it was getting, you know, rough. And then qualifying came around and there was a lot of spots on the track that got super rough. But it also made for some great racing. Um, and it wouldn't be dirt track racing if it wasn't rough. Um, so compared to like last year in SIC, I think it was when main day came around is when it really started to, you know, break apart and rut it up, especially at the end of the straightaway for that layout. Um, and then there was this huge kind of like step up um, tabletop type thing in the middle that right at the base before you made the jump, um, it got really rough there to where like some of the e-buggies and the electric cars were chassis slapping on the face of the jump. And some of them would just completely like short out, like it would just stop running because you're, you know, you had a lot of, um, what would you call it? A lot of like pressure on the electronics whenever you chassis slapped on the face so unlike last year um there wasn't any super super rough sections for the car but it did kind of blow out a little bit sooner than last year but it was also super fun especially like the the moguls on the left side like those whoops type things it was really interesting like figuring out what the best line through that was um but the track was super fun this year yeah, I think it's interesting to hear your perspective from the electric side, too. But I feel like that last part that you were talking about, Dave and I debated that a lot <laughs> as far <laughs> as like uh, what line we should take or what line was the fastest there. Um, <laughs> but uh, another thing that I wanted to touch on is the facility itself, because like I mentioned, I've never been to SIC before. And so um, I found myself really enjoying that facility specifically. So just kind of speak to the kind of building that we were in itself. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of like, um, what would you call it? Like a horse arena um, building type thing. Um, and then we had the driver's stand, you know, kind of right in the middle of everything on one side of the building. Um, and then you would... Uh, almost drop into the track if that makes sense so it was kind of um it wasn't I don't think it was super level I know last year it wasn't super level they kind of like dug down in um but the facility was awesome the driver's stand was massive as usual um the podium when I first went to SIC last year and have it like that was my first race time event ever I was super amazed and so overwhelmed in the best way possible when I walked in with Jimmy and Sean like for the first time seeing this whole entire thing where it was just this awesome like hard rock music playing and then over to the right we had like neon lights that were just going everywhere and like strobe lights and then over at the podium on the right side you had like the tv screens there with previews from past races and um really cool clips of like the cars on past you know layouts of the tracks and it was really cool walking in and just seeing this massive event that you know dave and um Dave and Bobby and, you know, all of those guys put on. Um, it was really awesome seeing the event and coming into, you know, the track. It was like the, Bobby makes the most massive jumps ever, too. Like, I wouldn't say his tracks are super, super technical, but there's a lot of air. There's a lot of space for, you know, a lot of cars to be competing against one another in a single race, which is awesome. Um, so it's not super cramped at all. And I think they said compared to AMS, um, this was like they took full advantage of the space that they had 
Um, so it was, it was massive. It was awesome. Yeah. You, you spoke about Bobby and the track again, and that jogged my memory to what resonated with me before. (laughs) And that was the fact that you were like, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm really driven to keep pushing forward and to keep trying to get faster. Um, Dave and I actually, there wasn't a place to race the weekend after SIC. There were just no tracks running. It was kind of cold in the Carolinas. It had just rained like a day before or something like that. But there was a local track, um, it's called S&B Raceway for us to practice at. And so that's when we went and practiced. That's what I was, um, speaking about with you earlier, but, what really motivated me to go practice is I feel like I wasn't hitting that transfer. Um, I don't even know what to call that section. The section where, well, the pros were for sure like transferring because they could move the car in the air and they downsided that little tabletop. Oh, like the little corner section there, like the whip jump? Yes. So um, I felt like that hurt me not being able to understand how to move the car in the air fully. And so that's one thing that I was extremely driven to practice when I was at practice last weekend. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because um, prior to going to SIC with that section, there was um, we went to uh, The Rock in where was it? Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had Bobby actually built that track too. And they had a really similar section to that in the back right corner that I was, it was actually more tricky than this one was. Cause it was a tighter space. It was in like the top right corner of the track where if you hit it, you had to hit it perfectly. Um, so Jared and um, at the time it was Tyler Jones um, out there as well. So like the second lap out there, they had got it down and they, it was like perfect. For me, I was like, no, I'm not even going to try that. But then SIC came around and I was like, okay, this doesn't look as difficult because there's, for one, more space, the track's bigger, and it doesn't look as, you know, the corner's not as tight as it was at at the Rock. So I went for it and I was like, okay, like I can land this if I actually try it. So in practice, I made it a point to perfect that section because I knew if I wasn't able to make that whip jump or whatever it was called, um, that it was going to cost me a lot of time. So there was a couple of times actually in the qualifiers and the mains where if I hit it just perfect, which I could hit it probably 85% of the time, but it wasn't always perfect, um, that if I didn't, if I went for it, I had a really good lap. Um, But if I went for it and I missed it, then it cost me a lot of time. So it was kind of trying to find that sweet spot as well, especially like when you're around other traffic you don't want to, you want to play it smart and you want to be a smart driver. So if somebody else is going for it, or if you know somebody's in in front of you going for it, or somebody behind you is not going to go for it, then you kind of just want to gauge who's around you and figure out um, if you should really make that jump or, you know, make that leap or whatever. But it was tricky. It was fun. Um, I feel like I was able to get it down pretty well. Um, But there were a couple of times where I was just, oh, that wasn't right. (laughs) It definitely affected me 
as far as when I stopped practicing because we had got there really early in the morning. So we had been there all day long. And Dave was like, all right, you ready to leave? I was like, no, no, because I didn't get that section right yet. Mm -hmm. And so I kept going out there. He was like, oh, my gosh, we're going to be here till the track closes. I was like, yeah, well, just leave me be, okay? If you need to go get dinner, go get dinner. But um, I was, I felt the same way, though. I was like, man, I got to get that. Yeah. Um, so I can't let you go either without talking about, so Jared Wiggins is obviously an extreme competitor, pro driver for techno. And so your relationship with him, just like, how does that work when you're at an event like SIC? Is mm-hmm. it like super stressful, super enjoyable? Like just how did it go? And I guess at SIC specifically. Um, yeah, so I knew prior to going into the race that I wasn't going to be able to pit with him because we weren't on the same team. Also, I think it's just respectful that if that's the techno room, you know, I respect them wanting it to stay the techno room and, you know, having that team support there. And I would, you know, expect the same with HB. So I think going into SIC, we had a good plan, especially like with Dylan and, you know, Miss Bella, we were all trying to plan out that the majority of the HB team was going to pit together. Cause I know in the past races that we've had, you know, a little bit of struggles trying to figure out, you know, team support. So during this event, we were like, okay, um, went up to Bobby straight away and was, Hey, um, is there a section for the HB team? He was like, yep, right here. And so we set up all of our tables, got, you know, a bunch of uh, our teammates over there um, was able, I was able to talk to Dylan a lot this weekend about, you know, Um, not only set up, but also having him help me, you know, with the best lines on the track, um, and just be a better driver and teammate in general. But for me and Jared, um, I wouldn't say it's stressful at all. I feel like he has, um, you know, he has goals and for one, this is, you know, this is what he does. This is, you know, his job and I respect that. And I give him the space that he needs, um, whenever he is on the track, I help him out as much as he can, as much as I can. Um, and then he does the same for me. So if I need, you know, a pit person and I'm short somebody, um, and I can't find anyone, then, you know, he's always there to help out and vice versa. Um, so it's really nice going over there and talking with him and, because we're on the same team for tires too, that helps because I'll kind of tell him what my car is doing on the track. And um, if that's a tire issue, then he can help me out with that. Um, But as far as, you know, car setup and everything, I would go to Dylan about that and have him, you know, help me just because he does run HB um, and Jared's, you know, on the techno team and doesn't drive for HB. Um, So he wouldn't really know a hundred percent about the car. Um, But Jared is so knowledgeable with what he does for techno and I'm so proud of him. And, you know, the, um, the work that he's put in, um, because he definitely deserves to be where he, where he's at. Um, and I think the results for this SIC, um, can, you know, speak for how hard, he's um been working for this because even during covid we were going to like races and tracks and all you know it it may not be the smartest thing but he was getting track time in and he had a track at his own house 
So if he needed anything, he could just test at his own house. Um, or he could test at one of the tracks, um, his local tracks, if they were allowing him to be there. Um, but yeah, as far as, you know, being with him at SIC, it was super fun, super awesome getting to be there. Um, I respect that, um, we're not, you know, I'm not going to be there by his side every second of the day. And it's nice to have that space too. Um, cause we're both drivers and we both want to do well. And, um, it's, it's a nice thing that we have going. I like it. <laughs> um, I just think it's interesting because, you know, obviously it's no secret that Dave and I love racing, travel to the races together at just about every race that we go to. But I think it takes it to a whole nother level when your significant other is at the level that Jared's at. So um, that's why I wanted you to speak to it a little bit. But I would agree with you that, um, you know, Jared is definitely a competitive pro driver. And I even found myself at one point during, I think it was pro nitro buggy um I found myself at one point cheering for him because he was up to third and um I was like man you go Jared um so yeah it was fun to watch him race yeah that was so awesome when he got up to third oh my god I was almost in tears I was like no way and then um he came into pit and as soon as he came into pit he had uh on his way in actually he hit, I guess, one of the metal pieces on the side um, in the beginning of pit lane and ended up, you know, breaking his car. So that kind of sucks. Um, but he was up there. He, you know, 100% he has potential. He always has. He's fast. Um, you know, he's at the position he is for a reason. And um, I just love uh, the drive that he has for this sport because RC is number one. And I I don't blame him at all. Um, every, it's so funny because like whenever we, every time I make a purchase in my own life, whether it be big or small, I always um, put it up next to RC. Like, do I really want this $10 coffee today? I could get a set of arms for that. Or do I want to get this $200 pairs of sh- pair of shoes? I could make an HB order with that. You know what I mean? So it's really funny to see um, like everything is put up, you know, uh, to compare to RC and, um, we think the same way we have the same goals. Um, his just being a little bit, you know, larger than mine, (laughs) but, um, I always tell him hashtag RC is life always. (laughs) (laughs) That's uh, hilarious that you talk about something in terms of RC items, because I always think about it in terms of motor, <laughs> because I feel like Dave and I are just going through motors so much, not because anything is happening to them. I love my ultimate motors. They have always lasted me well beyond what I expect them to, but Dave and I just run them a lot and people actually make fun of us because we practice so much when we're at an event. <laughs> so not only do we run a lot, but we also practice a lot when we're at the events um that we go to and I mean like I just said we just had a random practice day just because um but I'm always like especially with the chuggy too so we need one for his buggy one for my buggy one for chuggy and then you'd be silly if you didn't have at least one backup for three cars and so um (laughs) I'm always like oh yeah well we can maybe buy a motor with that so (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, um, but it's super fun. It's nice finding somebody that you, you know, not only share um, such a great passion with, um, but you can also like, we plan our, you know, RC is our vacations, if that makes sense. Like, not only is it what he does, but it's what I love to do as well. So whenever we plan to see each other, it just so happens that we plan around like a race that's happening or a big event. So um, it's really cool to be on the same page with that and, you know, want the same things. And I love that. Awesome. Well, um, I want to wrap up our time together by um, just asking you what you enjoy about RC racing, because there are a lot of female listeners, especially that listen to our podcast. And so I think it's just good to hear um, what your thoughts are as a female, just like what makes this hobby so fun for you? Why do you enjoy it? I think it's because I look at RC and everybody involved as a family. So I, I don't know, I feel like everyone in our, it's just a completely different world than anything out there. And especially because it's a growing industry, but it's also still so small and personable if that makes sense so like there's a lot of people out in like what you call I I don't know what I would call the regular world that you know just don't know about RC especially like with people at work I get all kinds of questions about what I do in RC and what it is and whenever I say I'm going to a race this weekend they're like what kind of race I'm like a little toy car race and they're like wait what so it's really interesting to you know introduce this sport to you know everybody else but also the the friendships that we create all over the country um is just super fascinating along with the competitiveness I am super competitive by nature and it's funny because like I'll find myself trying to beat Jared when I know I can't I'll be (laughs) like okay I can get up to your level I'll like look at his fast lap time and I'm like "Mm, I'm only two seconds off that's not too bad but in reality like if you go to the pro level two seconds is a lot but for me I'm like I'm not too far off you know what I mean So that competitiveness along with everybody being super friendly and super helpful and um, all of our HB teammates along with anybody else, um, you know, on other teams just aren't afraid to offer their help, you know, regardless of who they are or, you know, where they're at or what they know or whatever it may be. So if you need help with a pit person and somebody's nearby you're like hey are are you busy up next race um would you would you be able to pit me they're like oh yeah no totally yep we got it like even if they just don't know you everybody's super super friendly um I would agree with both of those things with the competitiveness for sure I'm almost competitive to a flaw um (laughs) at least I'm aware but uh I would also agree that it's just the people in RC are what make this such a fun hobby for us. It's just a hobby, but um, we have so many friends in RC racing that we love to go to the track and just hang out with. And um, I feel like now that I'm thinking about it, a lot of them are on the dark side. A lot of them are on techno, not HB. But like you said, it doesn't really matter what car you run. Um, or who you're driving for it's just um, it's just fun to go to the track and hang out with these people and um, yeah race our toy cars together 
It's really interesting that you say that too, because that, yes, like the techno team is growing so large, but I also feel like the HB team is pretty large as well. And it's funny because people are always asking me, who's going to switch, who's going to switch, or are you going to switch to techno? And I'm just sitting, I'm just like, I, I really love my car. I don't plan on switching anytime soon. I love my car. The HB car, you know, performs so well. And I think it, you know, it just, adds to the interesting you know story and dynamic that we have like oh he runs for techno she runs for hb i I just think it's really cool yeah i would agree that (laughs) i really love my hb car so um yeah no plans to change there for me either but um (laughs) yeah it's kind of funny um So uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast tonight. It's been a pleasure to get to chat with you. So before I roll into the next segment, I want to give you an opportunity to um, say say thank you. If you want to say thank you to your sponsors or anybody else, now's your platform and time to do that. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. This is my, like I said, my first ever podcast. So I've never done anything like this before, but it was super fun. Um, You had a ton of great questions and I appreciate you, you know, talking about, um, you know, us and sick and just, you know, RC in general. And I think that's really awesome that you're, you know, what you're doing with Race Like a Girl. Um, And I feel super honored to be a part of it. Um, So thank you for that. I do want to say thank you to, um, you know, my sponsors and everybody that support me. Um, HB Racing, AK um, Products, uh, Team Teakin, MKS Servo, Absolute Hobbies. Um, I do want to say thank you to Jared as well because I wouldn't, I truly wouldn't be where I am today um, without everyone's help, but also Jared being like my number one supporter is awesome. Um, and having his support with any questions that I have is cool as well um so yeah I don't I don't know who I forgot to say thank you to um I I hope I'm not forgetting too much but I guess thank you to every single person um thank you to you as well so um I definitely don't think it's the last time that the listeners are going to hear from you I know (laughs) I've been nagging you to um spill some of your YouTube magic and Facebook lives into the race like a girl world but um yeah it's it's been a lot of fun and um hopefully we will see you at the track again soon yes I'm so excited thank you I guess, too, I'll go ahead and say a thank you to everybody who was cheering for Katie Katie in the C-Main of (laughs) Open Nitro Buggy because I feel like Facebook even was blown up being like, yeah, girl power. It was so (laughs) iconic. (laughs) So, yeah, thanks to everybody. All right, well, we'll see you next time, Katie. Thank you. So our next guest on the SIC episode is the absolutely iconic Miss Bella. So hey, Miss Bella, welcome to the Race Like a Girl podcast. Thank you. We enjoyed getting to race with you at SIC, and we want to catch up with you on all things SIC. But first, we just want you to take a minute to kind of introduce yourself Tell us how you got into RC racing and just kind of where you're at now with all of your cars. Okay, so my dad has, well, his dad got um, my dad into racing and 
he quit for a while and then he got back into it. We have a local track about 10 minutes down the road. And I started going with him in the mornings um, to his races and I thought it was so cool. And then um, I begged him to let me drive his car. And so he let me drive it. And all the local guys, they were like, oh, you should start racing. Like, and my heart just like was racing. It's so exciting because I mean, I didn't really expect to go like big with it and get to where I am now in that moment it was just exciting and so yeah that's basically how I got into it is from my dad yeah that's awesome so you mentioned that you have a home track that's only 10 minutes away from you so what is that track um TCRC it's in Lavalette West Virginia okay um how often do you go to that track well it's an outdoor track so um only in like the spring summer yeah so usually when they have a big race there or sometimes a club race pretty often actually and i'll go to practice yeah when you got started did you get started immediately into eight scale like was the first car that you had an eight scale buggy or just kind of what class did you start with when you got into rc racing um my dad was more into 10 scale um, back then, so I started in 10 scale, and a few months later, my dad got a um, 8 scale e-buggy, and then I was like, yeah, I'll have to have one, so <laughs> yeah, then I started running 8 scale, but I started with 10 scale. So what you're saying is you're the one who convinced your dad that you guys needed to run 8 scale. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. So um, I started with 10 scale too. I started with <laughs> Traxxas Slash. That was my car that I started with. And um, obviously, we have both come a long way since our 10 scale um, experiences. But I agree. Once I saw a lot of other people at the track while I was 10 scale racing with eight scale buggies, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to need to try one of those out beyond just this uh, short course car that I was driving. But um, that's cool. You mentioned that your dad races, but I know that your racing is very much so a family affair. So who else in your family races? Um, my brother is not really like into it, but he races sometimes when they're running novice or like sportsman. So yeah. Awesome. And then your dad races too. What class does your dad race? Um, he used to run Chuggy, but right now he runs um, electric e-buggy, usually in 40 plus or open at big events. And then like other ones that we go to who run pro with me. Um, are you guys all electric or do any of you run nitro? We're not into nitro yet. Like, so here's the plan. So I want to start like learning more about um, electric setup and um, I got a buddy Dylan Caldwell and he's been teaching me how to like take apart the cars and rebuild them so that's what we've been doing and until I learn more about it I don't think I'll get in, into nitro but I definitely want to as soon as I can. <laughs> well you're killing it in the electric scene uh regardless and it's super fun to race with you but that's really interesting to hear you speak to that you are getting more into setup so right now who does the wrenching is it your dad that does the wrenching or do you do the wrenching mainly my dad but he has been trying to teach me more about it but yeah mainly my dad 
So is that what um, Dylan is working with you on, though, is just how to work on the car or how to build a car kit? Yeah, mainly how to, like, if my car breaks, that can fix it and to take it apart and put it back together. Mainly how to build it. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get into the SIC talk. So um, to start with... Uh, SIC, we're going to start with practice and what classes you ran. So first, tell us what classes you ran at SIC and then speak to us about how your practice day went and just kind of like when you get to an event like a race time entertainment event, like what's your plan as far as what you're going to practice throughout the day and just kind of give us your whole like game plan when it's a practice day. All right, so the two classes I ran were electric e-buggy and electric truggy and open, yeah. Um, and then for practice day, now I don't really choose this, but my dad, <laughs> he like, he wants me to get all the practice I can get. So it's, it's like uh, stand in line, then he'll get my car ready and then go up, marshal, get back in line. Yeah, we just repeat that all day long until practice is over. So it's a tiring day, but that's basically <laughs> a practice plan. So is there any point where you stop and communicate to your dad about how the car is feeling or about possibly any changes that you want to make? Or just like, how does that process work? Or is it just like what your main focus is, is just to get as much track time as possible? We usually use the headset and we'll communicate that way. And when I take breaks, um, I'll like help him make a change to my car. But my cars were already pretty, pretty set up nice for the track. Um, so we didn't make too many changes, mainly just tires. But so, yeah. I was going to ask that question, too. So when you go from track to track, do you find yourself having to make a lot of changes on your car? Like, do you find yourself communicating um, frequently that you want something different uh, on your car? Or you're feeling a certain way from track to track? Yeah. Okay, cool. What I also wanted to ask you about was tires. You mentioned that um, sometimes you change the tires on practice days. So first, tell us what tires you're running and tell us the different treads and compounds that you uh, practiced in practice and why. Well, um, in the morning on practice, I went out on black, black compounds, teasers, I think. And they were amazing. But as it went on, the track got harder, a lot harder. And it got colder. So then I started, I moved up uh, to green, green compound. And as the track started blowing out more, I went to reflex. And that's what I ended up running in my qualifiers and mains. What prompted you to change compounds and just... When you're testing the different treads, do you already have it set in your mind that if it's a certain condition, you're going to go to a certain tread? Or do you just like to test whatever you have just to see if it's working? 
We'll go based on the track conditions first, and then we'll test the tires for what we think go best with that. And then after we find a tire that works pretty well, then we'll just test tires. Like we'll just basically put something on my car and go out there. And then after a while, then we'll go back to that tire that worked the best and I'll just practice with those. And yeah. So when you're um, showing up, especially at a bigger event like SIC, do you find yourself wanting a brand new set of tires? Or is there a certain process that you go through to break in your tires? Or just like what's your preference as far as you're practicing, but now qualifying is coming up. So what kind of tire do you prefer to have ready for qualifying? Qualifying, I prefer to have like maybe a tire that has one or two runs on it. So I'll break them in and practice. In the mains, I usually run a brand new set of tires. And I break them in in the practice laps. <laughs> you know, do a few wheelies and <laughs> stuff like that. But yeah. That's awesome. All right. So let's move into qualifying. So you're done with practice. You're getting ready to qualify. Speak to us about um, your two different classes, buggy and truggy. And maybe for both buggy and truggy, speak to which qualifier, first, second, or third, you felt was your best qualifier and which qualifier, first, second, or third, you, you felt was your worst qualifier. Um, with buggy, my first two qualifiers were like, they could have been better. Honestly, I think that my qualifier was like so late in the day that um, I didn't put the right uh, tires on. I think I was running teasers in. I needed to move up to reflex. And second qualifier just didn't turn out that well. Third qualifier just kept getting better. So first was the worst. And as it went on, I just kept driving better with buggy. Now, Chuggy, Chuggy wasn't bad for all three qualifiers. Was It really wasn't that bad. But, yeah, I think the third one in both are my favorite and the best because it's like the more track time I got on the track, the better my cars were and the better I drove. So third and both were the best. Did you find that you had any challenges in qualifying? So whether it was something like traffic where you were really coming up on a lot of cars and it was hard to get around or if it was track conditions like um, <laughs> I know going down the straightaway, going into the um, first corner after the straightaway, that part kept getting more challenging and more challenging and more challenging. And at one point, I just ended up sending it because I never knew what was going to happen there. So I just went for it. But yeah, in qualifying, did you find any challenges, whether it be the people you were racing with or um, track conditions itself? It was a little bit of both. But yeah, the end of the straightaway, that was probably <laughs> the hardest part in qualifying. Because like either you got to take the inside or you got to go like out real wide. So yeah, a little bit of both. So overall, how do you feel like qualifying went? Do you feel like it's what you expected or just speak to your overall qualifying before we go into the mains? Well, qualifying, mainly buggy. I was a little bit disappointed because I expected to drive better than 
than I was, but then the third qualifier was making up for that. So I wasn't too upset about my qualifiers. And Truggy, um, they could have been a little better too. Like I said, once the third one came around, I was okay with it all because they ended up working out pretty well. How do you feel like the competition level was in each of your classes, especially because I know that you've been to several SIC events before. So how did you feel like the competition level was in buggy and how do you feel like it was in truggy? In buggy, it was like, I didn't really expect to make the A. I didn't expect to even like, I didn't expect to even get a spot close to the podium. So I was basically happy with bumping to the B. Um, in Truggy, I really didn't expect to make the podium. Um, but I mean, I was hoping to make the A and I even got the podium. So that was like, that was insane. I was so proud of myself. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I think that you definitely killed it. So let's go ahead and roll into the mains. So um, you mentioned that you bumped from the C main to the B main in buggy. So where did you start in the C main and kind of like just take us through your run? How did you get to the position where you ended where you were in a spot to bump to the B main? Um. I think I started mid-pack in the B. I can't really remember what position, but I know it was mid-pack. I, like, I got around everybody in the beginning. They got caught up, and I was just, like, you know, I was pinning it. I was trying to try and do the best I could, and it was, like, neck and neck. I, I don't know how I even got the bump. And the track was already getting more blown out as that race went on. And so it was really tough. And I was just happy making the B. During your C main, once you got into the position finally where you were like, okay, I'm in the bump spot, I'm good. Um, what was your strategy? Do you feel like you backed it off at all and were in like conservation mode? Like, let me just finish this race, bump to the C main? Or was it like, no, I'm still full send. I'm going to make sure that I go as fast as I can so that nobody catches me. Or were you in a position where you were battling and you sort of had to race? Before um, a few laps into that bump spot, like we were all three. First, second, which was me. And then the, the third guy, we were all neck and neck. So I had to like keep up the pace for a few laps and then first was like he wasn't too far away he's pretty much like gone so and then I started driving more cautious because it was blown out and the ruts went through my car um so yeah I started driving a little more cautious after I got a few seconds on third and then I was just didn't really try to catch first because I just knew I had the bump and I was just gonna like stick with it so I made sure to get it yeah, I think that's interesting to hear you speak to that. So at the end, was third on you at all at the end, or were you kind of just on your own? Well, I had a wreck right before the loop because, I mean, where there was like seven cars, like everybody was just right in this corner, and I had a wreck, and then he was like pretty close, like a few seconds. So yeah, 
that's how it went. <laughs> right from the blue, <laughs> just had a wreck. Uh, it was like nerve-wracking. <laughs> I um, I think it's interesting to hear your perspective on that because I was in the C main of Nitro Buggy and I too bumped to the B main in Nitro Buggy and I, like you, was really happy with that. I knew that a podium was probably not going to happen, especially in Nitro Buggy, but I was pretty happy with going to the B main. But once I um, once I got the lead in the C main and the, the guy behind me was probably like, I don't know, at least five seconds, if not, it might have been more than that at the end. And I can remember my husband coming over the headsets and he was like, come on, push it. And I was like, no, they're not close to me. Like, I'm just making sure that I finish this race at this point. I'm in the lead. Like, there's no reason for me to be turning my hot laps, so to speak, because I'm already good. And so I can remember him trying to get me to push it even harder. But I was just like, no, they're not close to me. I'm good. So you bumped to the B main and then um, obviously you had to start at the back, but where did you finish in the B main and how far did you get up to? Well, the B main, the first few laps, um, I didn't really get up, but like a spot or two, but my cars, like I was so happy because they were they were fast enough where I could make the A. I mean, I didn't know if I'd get it or not, but I was just like, man, my car is, it's dialed, it's awesome. And then a few laps in, um, that double before the back straight, it threw me sideways and I landed on the side of my car and it broke my servo. So I didn't get to finish. I probably finished like last in the B, but I'm still happy with making the B because like I said, I didn't even think I'd get to make the B, (laughs) honestly. Yeah, that's a bummer. That stinks that you didn't get to finish it. But that's interesting to hear you say that because I too felt the same exact way when I went into my B main for Nitro Buggy. And the reason why I also think that's interesting is because we both drive HBs. I know one E Buggy, one Nitro Buggy. But um, when I was driving the B main, I remember thinking to myself or even saying something to Dave, like, man, this is the best that my car has ever been. Like, I really feel like I got a shot here that I could bump to the A, but um, it was just hard to come from the back of the field. And the more I was pushing it, the more I was making mistakes on my own, not even necessarily because of somebody else. But my car felt the best that it was. And the track was questionably um somewhat worse I guess is an okay word to use there than what it started when we were practicing so do you have any thoughts on why you feel like the track and just your beaming your car felt as good as it did I really don't know how it went from like the C the C was okay and the B it just felt like so much better we didn't make a change we didn't change tires in the track you know like as the races went on it just kept getting more blown out worse than it was in the sea i honestly don't know i think it was just uh, as it went on it, the track got better for the green reflex and so that yeah yeah i would agree i didn't make a whole lot of changes from the c to the b either so um but i just thought it was interesting that we both felt that way (laughs) yeah 
Um, all right, so moving on to Truggy, because you, uh, without a doubt, had a phenomenal finish in Truggy, and Truggy was a double A main, right? You had two A mains? Mm-hmm. So, um, so the way that a double A main works, if our listeners don't know, is you pretty much, unless it's the same people finishing in the top five, you pretty much have got to be like first, second, or third because they take your best result of the two races. So it's pretty difficult in an electric class especially to get on that podium because unless it's the same person finishing first and first and second and second, then it doesn't quite get into the fourth and fifth position unless they were the same drivers. So... How did you do it, Miss Bella? How'd you get on the podium? Speak to us about both your A1 and your A2. Well, I was super excited that there's no A mains because, like, it's so much, like, takes so so much stress and, like, I'm so nervous and it took all that off my shoulders to have two chances. You know, that's two chances. And so the first A main, I mean, I really was trying to drive, like, as fast as I was in buggy and I didn't like think that I didn't really process in my mind that the track was still like getting worse and so I was trying to drive faster the ruts and it was turning my car and flipping my car and then I basically got in my head from there and I try not to do that but I mean sometimes you just can't help it and then so I tried tried to drive even faster I tried to push myself and ended up doing worse um so after that, I was kind of disappointed, and I had negative thoughts going through my head, and I was just like, I was like, cheer up, you know, you got one more chance. And then in the second A main, I actually was doing pretty good. You know, I started in the fifth position, and um, I made my way up to fourth in that race, and then I was trying to keep it smooth, you know, I had a few seconds on fifth, and I was like, man, like, I haven't had a wreck. My truggy is awesome, it's styled, and I was trying to um, take it smooth, you know, and then I had a wreck, and it was, like, right on me, and passed me, like, the last lap or two. Then, I didn't know if I made it up there or not, because the first one, they could have had faster run than me, and I was coming off the stand, and Jimmy was announcing, he was like, and the final spot goes to Miss Bella, and I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm so excited for it. So... It was it was crazy. I was so excited that I made the podium. So what was your overall finishing position in A2? Fifth. I got fifth, started fifth, and finished fifth, and then got fifth on the podium. So Wow, that's awesome. So it really did probably come down to you and whoever finished fifth in the A1. So you must have really <laughs> you must have really squeezed it out on that last run because you had to have had a faster run to beat him. So um congratulations. It was super cool to see a um a girl especially at that on the podium. So um you killed it and it was super fun to watch. Congrats on your podium. Thank you. So let's also talk about how you felt about the track, especially because you have been to previous SICs before. So my first question is, how did you feel about this track layout compared to specifically other SIC layouts? Like, what were your thoughts on that? Compared to the last two years, 
you know, this one wasn't too far off from the last one. It's pretty similar. And I was happy because, you know, it's already going to get technical because of the rut. It's already going to be hard to get through. And so I'm glad it was like, it was pretty simple. If it wasn't, I don't know how I do. Um, just because it blows out in so many spots and it makes it so much harder. And I think it had a good flow, you know, you could like stay on throttle almost anywhere. So yeah, I really, 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 really like that layout. Um, um, so talk to us about what your favorite part to drive on the track is and what was your least favorite part? I know what mine was. <laughs> oh man, so my favorite part and my least favorite part. Oh, well, let me think about this one. Uh, my favorite part was probably the straightaway because that was the part that I never wrecked <laughs> on. It was the easiest part. Um, that is an awesome answer. Uh, the hardest part was definitely the double for the back straight because it was blowing out in that corner in my truggy and my buggy were like completely doing 360s when I went through there and the double itself like you know it broke my servo in my car because it was throwing it weird so you had to be really careful or else it was just gonna throw you upside down sideways so definitely the back double are you talking about the part that was right before the 180 turn that had like all the weird whoops in rutted out section yeah. right before? Okay. Yeah, I know what section you're talking about now. My, I don't know if I would call it least favorite because I don't know that I necessarily didn't like it, but I would call it my most challenging part was the part right after that where you went down the little short shoot back straight away and then there was a funky tabletop transfer thing um i just felt like i wasn't as skilled i guess you would say as some of the pro drivers to really like whip it and um you know move the car in the air to make it perfectly get over that transfer spot um so i did some kind of interesting things there to try to gain time but I felt like in practice I was really going for it I was super committed to trying to get that transfer section down that tabletop section down but then I found myself even in the qualifiers if I wasn't around somebody or the mains taking a little bit more of a conservative pro approach there I would kind of check up at the beginning and then try to fly off of it at the end, knowing that I possibly wasn't going to um, transfer perfectly. Or, you know, I feel like if you didn't perfectly hit that section, it was really easy to overshoot it. And then people were going off the pipe and doing all sorts of weird things. So um, did you feel like that section was hard or how did you feel about that section? In qualifying, if somebody would have asked me, what is your least favorite part on the track? I definitely would have said that like tabletop jump because I did have a lot of trouble with it. And in the beginning, it was awesome. Like in practice, I got it down. But then the middle started like running up and blowing out and it was throwing my car completely sideways. So I had to get a new like theory and learn how to hit it differently. 
And so that's when it all went downhill. And I think that's what messed me up in my buggy qualifiers. And then as the third qualifier on the mains came, I started like half the, half the time, if I knew I could make it and line up great for it, then I'd go for it. But then other times I'd try to land like close to the downside of it and just land on top of it because I knew I was going to wreck and that cost me way more time. You've been to a ton of race time entertainment events too. How do you um, how do you like the actual facility that SIC is in? So the little arena that we're in, um, how do you like that compared to something like PNB or Wicked Weekend? Um, I would definitely prefer like PNB, like the PNB building better. But it wasn't too bad, you know, like. There was plenty of room to for us to like set up. You know, we got a whole entire tent, plenty of room. But next time, I definitely put outside because of the nitro fumes. Um, but it wasn't bad, no. I could see that being a challenge with the nitro fumes. I think especially because that race is January, it's hard because it's so cold. I mean, I feel like it somewhat doesn't matter how south you go. You're bound to get a little bit of cold weather in January. And so it was definitely pretty cold. And so for them to kind of air out the facility, they had to keep the doors open on that one side. But it sometimes, I would agree with you, was just not enough. Um, The nitro classes um, would often be like five or six heats before it was an e-buggy heat. So it really kind of got a little bit smoky in there, I guess you would say. What I thought was cool about that facility, especially compared to something like PNB, is I liked that when you watched the track, when you were like standing around the track and say watching the pros race, that you were kind of right there on the track. You weren't so far away or sitting up so high like you are in PNB. And I thought it was cool to be able to see it at that level because I felt like I was able to watch their cars a little bit more. And there was just some, there was some really good racing. Actually, it did help me on a few spots when I watched the pros, like to see what they are doing. You could definitely like see the ruts better and how they are going through them and how fast they are going from where like PNB, if you're sitting up in the stands, there's no way you could see it, you know? So that was, that was a plus. I enjoyed that part of it, even though it was a little bit more, um, a little bit more tight. Everybody was a little bit closer, but I actually kind of um, enjoyed watching it from that perspective on the track. Closing thoughts on your SIC this year. Overall, what'd you think of it? Um, Out of the two years I have been there, this is definitely the best. The track just keeps, keeps getting better every year. And um, the first time we were there, I didn't know how to drive on that, like, it's dusty, it's blown out. I didn't know how to drive on a track like that, and my dad didn't know the setup for a track like that either. Um, so it, the more we came there, the better it got, and this year has definitely been the best, and my driving just keeps getting better. So this year, I, I loved it, and I'm definitely going to go back next year. Awesome. One of the reasons we have really enjoyed having you on the podcast is because, one, obviously, we love to talk about RC from a female perspective because there's just not that many of us in the hobby. But two, um, 
we really try to show that girls can be competitive in this hobby. It's not just the boys who can compete and <laughs> be on the podium. So um, have you had any experience where it's like, man, Miss Bella beat me? Or do you feel like in general, people are pretty supportive? Generally, people are, yeah, pretty supportive. And I have so many people that are like, oh, I can help you get in a night show. And so many people come and they'll watch my races and they'll just like, you know, all they do is send positive vibes and they just, they're always there. Like Dylan, he's been helping me um, learn more stuff about the e-buggy. And like I said, people would give me tips if I started a night show. There's so many people willing to help me. So yeah, they're definitely more supportive, I think. And there is also a lot of people that follow you or just, you know, any any female going to big races at the hobby and are just watching you compete in RC. And so it oftentimes will inspire them to try to get into RC racing. So especially for all of our female listeners who are out there and thinking, eh, I don't know if I want to get into RC racing. I don't know if I want to race. What do you think is at least one reason why you really enjoy racing? Well, mainly it's because it's something like I can do with my family and something I can bond with my dad with and like my mom, my brother, my dad, like we all just are together and we get to travel and we'll stop and see things. And racing itself is something I enjoy. So it's it's awesome getting to getting to race and travel and be with my family. So any advice for anybody trying to get into racing? Um I know you specifically have come a long way. You can pretty much bet that if Miss Bella is at a race, that she's going to be a fierce competitor against you. So any advice as far as like, yeah, just put some laps in at the track? Um, the main advice I would give to any new beginner to racing would be like, you're going to get in your head, you know, it's just like, you gotta, you gotta try to cut out the negativity, be positive, and sometimes you just know you're not gonna make the A main, you're not gonna make the podium. You just gotta go out there and you just gotta adapt to the track and get lots of practice and stay out of your head. And the more you race, the better you'll get. And maybe one day you'll be on that podium. You'll get, you'll be in the A main. You'll move up to open pro. You know. I um I like that advice. You know, racing is just for the fun of racing, especially when we're not at the pro level, but a podium is a total bonus. And that's kind of how you have to look at it. Race just because racing's fun, but it's just that much sweeter if you can get a good result out of it. A good result for you, even if it's not a podium finish. So what are your goals for 2021? Or um, what race is next? What's next for you? Well, first, let's start out with the, the next big race I'll go to. So it's going to be in Tennessee at the Rock 
uh, having a state race there. But the next race time entertainment race, definitely going to be P&B. That's my favorite race of the year. Wouldn't ever miss it. Like, <laughs> ever. Um, I'm not yeah. looking forward to, though. I'm pretty sure that it's Open's turn to go last. So, Sportsman is going to get to go first. We're going to get to go last, which means we're going to be qualifying at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I remember the first time I went there, I was like, I was like, I'm never going back there because I was, I was running my qualifier at, in the middle of the night. I had no sleep. I was just up there. I don't remember anything. I remember I was in line sitting on my stand with my mom and I was just, I was just dead asleep and up on the stand. <laughs> I don't remember how my race went or anything. I think, I mean, I could have hurt somebody. I shouldn't have been up there. <laughs> I was just basically sleeping while driving my RC car. I don't know what happened. Um, <laughs> and then after PNB was over, I don't know. It was just like, you know, my dad was complaining. And me and my mom were like, I think I think we want to go back next year. And next year was better. And it was a blast. So, yeah. And now I really, I know there'll be the races where I'll be up doing the same thing in the middle of the night. But at the end, it's totally worth it. <laughs> I completely understand even from year to year I'm like and eh, I don't know if I'm gonna go next year but I've been there I don't even know how many years in a row now so um we'll we'll see if we get there this year but I interrupted you so what else is in store for 2021 or what are your goals oh okay goals um I definitely want to work on consistency so I think as soon as it starts warming up here in spring or whenever our snow out there calms down, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go to my local track and start working on consistent consistency and my lines. And maybe next year I can start moving up to pro. Maybe. That's, that's my goal this year is to just get as good as I can. And I want to learn more about setup. So, yeah, this year I'm going to start taking everything a little bit more seriously. That's awesome. Well, um, thank you for your time, Miss Bella. We have really enjoyed having you on the podcast, and I'm sure it's going to be a real treat for all of our listeners to hear your perspective on racing and just from SIC. So um, if there are any thank yous or sponsors or people that you want to give a shout out to before we end our time together, now it's your time to do that. Um. Yeah, I definitely want to thank all my sponsors. And, you know, there's so many people I could thank for this. I mean, I can't even name them all. I mean, there's so many people that help me on, like, setup and what tires to run and the line. So probably mainly Dylan Caldwell and my dad for right now, they've been the biggest help in the past few months. Well, thank you once again. Um, we really appreciate your time, and we can't wait to see you at the next race. It is very possible that we will we will see you for that um, Tennessee race at the Rock. That's something that um, we're interested in, possibly attending that race too, depending on the other races that are going on in the Southeast that weekend. So we might see you at that one before PMB. Cool. It's really. It's a really, really, really good track. It's other than the race time entertainment races, it's my favorite track to race at. It sucks that it's it's like four and a half hours away. 
So it's a bit of a drive, but it's totally worth it at the end. It's great yeah. competition there, great track. Yeah, so definitely one of my favorites, and it would be so nice to see y'all there. Yeah, that's exactly how far it is for us, too. It's four and a half hours, so that's funny. It's, like, right in the middle of us. But um, the competition there is, like, second to none. They always have some really, really, really killer competition there. And the best thing about The Rock is that it doesn't matter if it's raining or not. You can race there no matter what. Yeah. It could be snowing there, just like it probably is at your house right now, and you could probably still get a race in. <laughs> yeah, there have been times when it's snowing there. I mean, it's freezing, but, you know, you still get to race at the end of the day, so. That's right. There's no bad days racing, even if it's cold. All right. Well, thanks, Miss Bella. We'll catch up with you at the next one. Thank you for having me on here. Well, that wraps up our SIC episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, Special shout out to all of the girls who were racing at SIC. There were quite a bit of us, and it was really awesome to see. Uh, Be looking for more from us in the future. So we will see you all.